Hey there, this is Nathan. Welcome to the Camden Haven Anglican Church Podcast. I'm glad you're making the time to listen to this week's teaching. I'll have more to say at the end, but for now, let's dive right in. Welcome, I'm Simon, if you haven't met, and um, take you back to the late 90s. I get home from primary school and I'd see that ad, Philly cream cheese on the TV, and for so many years I thought that's what heaven was, just, you know, floating around the clouds, uh, wings and stuff, and terrible if you're lactose intolerant, and just like a weird, really weird place. Christians would often talk about how amazing heaven is, and I would think of that, I'd go, that's awful, like, I don't want to go there, that's just like a really dull party. Uh, a guy called David Lloyd George said, the conventional heaven with its angels perpetually singing nearly drove me mad in my youth, maybe an atheist for 10 years. Soft light, people flowing effortlessly, bare feet everywhere, maybe shoes are of the devil in heaven, I don't know. Uh, very spiritual, just this really dull party. This vision of heaven doesn't really kind of excite me. I don't know about you. No wonder people would rather live for Camden heaven than go to this place called heaven. Uh, Looks like you're going to be playing harps all day. The early church, though, had such a vision of heaven that one of their most common problems was that to stop young people from signing up for martyrdom. Can you imagine if we had to keep turning people away from signing up for mission in Saudi Arabia? Uh, This isn't really a problem we have because I think we struggle to imagine and think of what the new creation will really be like. A guy called Charles Spurgeon said, Christian, meditate much on heaven. It will help thee to press on and to forget the toil of the way. This veil of tears is but the pathway to the better country. This world of woe is but the stepping stone to a world of bliss. So my prayer for you this morning is that your affection would grow greater for the real, true, and lasting heaven rather than Camden heaven. Uh, Imagining what heaven will be like is kind of like a baby in the womb trying to capture and envision what the world will be like on the outside. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And as you read Revelation, it's important to know that there's a lot of symbolism happening with all these numbers being listed. So Revelation 4 verse 6, we hear uh, what looked like a sea of glass in front of the throne. And we skip ahead to 21.1 and see that there was no longer any sea. So is there or isn't there any sea? It's the apocalyptic way of saying there is no longer any chaos. Uh, the ancient Hebrew world, water represented chaos and disorder. And so, not saying they won't be surfing or sailing, maybe there will be, but there will be no chaos and destruction. In 22.1, there's a river flowing from the throne and rivers tend to go into the sea. So it might be a sea, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, these symbols and numbers are there, though, to fire our imagination not just engage our intellect. So imagine trying to describe a jumbo jet to a Stone Age tribe. They don't have words for jet, engine, petrol, aerodynamics, bus. Yep, like, it'd be so hard. You might say, hmm, it's like a bird. A bird, you've got to kind of put hundreds of people in, powered by fire. And it goes faster than any animal. So is that really clear? Do you you kind of understand what I'm saying? 
How close do you think they could get to a clear understanding of it by using words that they understand? And as we read Revelation, we're that limited. We're like a primitive tribe grasping to get our heads around things that are way beyond us. And we don't even have words to describe what it will really be like. Uh, And so a guy called J.I. Packer suggests three ways that we can fire our hearts with the hope of heaven, exploit, enhance, eliminate. Uh, Exploit meaning every time we enjoy something in this life, it's a foretaste of what is to come. Enhance, heaven will be the fulfillment of our relationship with Christ. It'll be like meeting a loved one face-to-face after only receiving letters for so long. And eliminate, there'll be no more earthly frustrations, no more sin or death or crying or pain. So we mainly be focusing on 21, 1 to 5 this morning, uh, which summarizes pretty well uh, what is happening in 21 and 22. So let's think about exploit or the new creation uh, as we can see it. So I'm just going to read out a few verses. Chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. Uh, 21.1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And a very well-known verse, first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So a day is coming when God will speak a word and the world will just, that we're living in will just cease to exist. Physical matter just appears and disappears at the word of God. God spoke this world into existence and he will speak a brand new word, a brand new physical cosmos into being. It's a mind-blowing thing to think about. Something we can learn from these words is that it'll be a physical universe. We know that because it will be a new heavens and a new earth. It's described in the same words as the existing physical creation. So God won't get rid of physical matter. We won't be floating around on clouds. Uh, It'll be another version of what we have now. It'll be solid ground. There will be a degree of continuity. You will recognize it and think, "This this is a new world. This is a renewed creation. In 22, uh, yeah, we, we hear that it's a garden city. There's trees, there's rivers. It's like Eden that's developed and perfected and matured. And it's also a jeweled city. Um, diamonds weren't really known in the, in the ancient Near East at this time, but it's using very precious stones. Uh, and the streets will be made of gold, not concrete. Sorry, John Gudgeon, excavation. Um, but a bit different, might be a bit of fun. Uh, Foundation of gemstones. The point is that this will be a place of incredible beauty and perfect quality. In 24 to 26 of 21, we see that the best of all human culture and technology will be there. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Hence, the new creation will be a bit like the British Museum, you know, which celebrates all the best things in the world uh, that they've kind of taken from other countries. But, you know, the new creation, the nations will bring all that is rich and good, the best of music and sport and food and art and technology and architecture. So maybe French cooking or Swiss watches, German cars, American customer service, uh, Brazilian football, Australian weather, 
uh, Ethiopian coffee, combo and avocados maybe, uh, <laughs> English sarcasm, I don't know, what, yeah, anyway. Uh, J.I. Packer, so exploit the things we have now to help us imagine what life will be like then. Don't live for them, but enjoy them with a heart of thankfulness, knowing this is a taste of what is to come. Uh, I was lucky enough earlier this year to head up to the Northern Territory, a few days of fishing uh, with family, family, friends, just incredible. Um, yeah, you just literally throw your line in the water and bang, within a few seconds, massive barramundi or, or something. But stay at this beautiful place, uh, incredible sunsets each night, end of the day, just debriefing, uh, yeah, with all the people, st different stories of what you caught and what you missed out on. Uh, and without a doubt, someone would say, oh, just doesn't get better than this, does it? I think, oh, this is awesome. This is incredible. This does feel like heaven in a sense, but it gets a lot better than this. We all fall into this trap. Let's say Jesus is coming back tonight, nine o'clock. You might be really excited, but you might also think, oh, I'm just going to miss so many things. Family, time together with friends, incredible food, incredible coffee from Bago Bacon Pizza. Um, it'll be so much better in the new creation, though. When you enjoy something on this earth, teach yourself to think that this is just a, a dull hit of what is to come. And say, thank you, Jesus, for the foretaste of the wedding banquet of the Lamb, that it will be infinitely better. So exploit every good thing on earth as a foretaste of what is to come, a foretaste of heavenly pleasure. And whenever someone shows you their new diamond ring, think, foundation rubble for my new house in the new creation. It's pretty good. Uh, so exploit new creation, enhance. So thinking about this new relationship in verses 2, or verse 2 from chapter 21. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The heart of the new creation is a new relationship with our God. It's a vision of the populated city. I've never met a bride who was, a bride who was stoked to hear that she looks like a city. Uh, throughout the Bible, the bride is the people of God, not some city. And, you know, Ephesians 5.32, Paul says that marriage is the picture of God and his people. So what's this on about? Uh, the city is God's bride because the city is where God's people dwell. It's the populated city that descends, which is the bride of Christ. And two key things to kind of look at here, uh, the shape of it and the size of it. So the shape of it, we hear about in verses 15 and 16, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold. How cool is that? I want a measuring rod of gold. Uh, to measure the city, its gates and its walls, the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. Uh, that's about 2,200 k's in our language. So, the he so heaven is a cube. Um, not a Q, someone heard Q at, at 8 o'clock, cube, C-U-B-E. Uh, there's only one other cube mentioned in the Bible. Any guesses where that might be? Temple, yeah, Holy of Holies. Um, the temple had different courts, different degrees of access depending who you were. Uh, and only one person could go into the most holy place, which is a cube-shaped room, once a year. 
to offer a sacrifice. Here in this description of heaven, the entire city is the most holy place. Every single person will dwell in perfect relationship with God. Verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There's no separate room, no separate temple where God will dwell. Its shape tells us that we will all live in the most holy place with the most holy God. Its size is also important. It's not just big, but its dimensions cover Israel. Um, I was thinking it covers the whole known world at the time, but we might discuss that afterwards. It was discussed at 8 o'clock. But basically meaning it's big enough for all of God's people to dwell. I think the point here is that you and I will dwell in the most intensely rich, face-to-face relationship with God. None of us will be on the fringes. Won't be like one of those weddings where you only really know one of the couple. You're thinking, oh, should I have been invited to the reception? I don't know. And you get to the reception, you kind of look at the tables. You don't look at tables one and two. You kind of look to the yeah, table 28 or something. You're like, okay, there's, that's me. And you wander over and it's just like the kind of distant cousins and friends and you, you don't really, yeah, you're there, but you're not really there. You're kind of way out the back. Um, it won't be like that. Heaven, won't, you, no one will be in the overflow. No one will be seated at the back. In heaven, no one is on the fringes. Everyone is in the most holy place. The place where only the high priest could go is the place where every follower of Jesus will dwell. That's your destiny if you trust in Christ. So what's the take home from that, from heaven being the most holy place? Uh, I think be aware of you of heaven where God is just this, is incidental, where his main role is to kind of keep the sun shining and keep the food coming. Um, Know that he is at the heart of heaven because he is the deepest fulfillment of his people. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Famous words from St. Augustine, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Jesus is the bridegroom of his church. Imagine a wedding where the groom doesn't show up. You say to the bride, oh, it's fine, cheer up, there's no point being sad, there's heaps of food and presents and a big party just for you. It doesn't quite work like that. Uh, The heart of the wedding, of the wedding day for the bride, is the groom. Deep within you and me is a need for Jesus, which is far deeper than a bride's longing for her groom on her wedding day. Jesus is at the heart of John's vision for the new creation. Jesus is what your heart most longs for and most deeply needs. Our relationship with Jesus and the new creation will be far better than anything we've read in Scripture, better than Mount Sinai where God descends in fire fire and thunder and spoke to Moses, and better than the first temple where God's presence filled it, uh, better than what what the disciples had with Jesus, walking with him on earth physically. The disciples only saw Jesus' glory veiled as human. We will see him fully human, fully divine. Better than what Adam and Eve had. They knew him as their glorious and generous creator. We will know him as our merciful redeemer, the lamb who was slain and who has now risen to reign. So when we devote our time to Jesus now, in this life, it is the purest form of pleasure that we can have right now. When we lean in, phone off, Bible open, we're pursuing the greatest form of pleasure. 
So heaven will be like going from receiving letters from a loved one to seeing them face to face. And lastly, the new order, what will be eliminated uh, in the new creation. Verse 4 of 21, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. No more death or crying or pain. I had an autocorrect here of mourning without a U. Maybe there'll be no Monday morning. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, The last time you cry, though, it'll be God who wipes the tears away from your eyes. Then after that, you will never feel the need to cry again. Never feel the ugliness, the deceit, the hatred, the pain, the brutality, the loss from sin. It will all be gone and destroyed. Think of all the things that have made you cry or weep throughout your life. What caused those tears? Physical pain, broken bones, slipped discs, arthritis, Crohn's disease, dementia, none of that in the new creation. Betrayal from someone you love or the pain of an ugly breakup. There'll be no relational breakdown in the new creation, only perfect relationships. Death itself. You could spend 10 million years traveling to the farthest reaches of the new creation and you won't come across a cemetery or a gravestone or cry bitter tears as you watch a loved one lowered in their coffin into the ground. Everything that causes sorrow, pain, and regret will be wiped away. In chapter 20, verse 10 of Revelation, we hear that the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire and gone. And also, we heard in chapter 21 that nothing impure will ever be able to enter heaven, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. How incredible is that? Never again will you have to second guess if you can trust someone. Never again have to live in fear or anxiety or being self-conscious or worried about your health or your safety or your security or your future. When you're there, you can just finally rest. I know a few of us may have had conversations the last few weeks in particular with family, with friends uh, who just aren't interested in Jesus and who may think that Heaven's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo Philly cheese in the clouds. I found this quote by Randy Alcorn pretty helpful as he speaks about heaven. He says, Nothing is more often misdiagnosed than our homesickness for heaven. We think that what we want is sex, drugs, alcohol, a new job, a raise, a doctorate, a spouse, a large-screen television, a new car, a cabin in the woods, a condo in Hawaii. What we really want is the person we were made for, Jesus, and the place we were made for, heaven. Nothing less can satisfy us. We're all homesick because you were made for Jesus, and heaven is your home. Every good thing in this life that you taste is a foretaste of paradise with him. Every time you experience closeness with Jesus now, that time in the Bible or together in worship on Sundays, it points towards that final day, that final time in paradise, and every time we weep or groan or experience pain in the world or loss, you can know that one day it will all be gone. Let me pray as we close. Father, we thank you that our future with you is unimaginably great. We can't fully comprehend it, but we thank you that through your word to us, particularly in Revelation, we can grasp somewhat the beauty and the significance of it. We ask that by your spirit, you would move in our hearts so we would not live for Camden heaven, but for the true, the real, the lasting heaven 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi again, this is Nathan. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that we shared something that's helpful to you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little more about us, we are Camden Haven Anglican Church. We're a church that tries not to be too churchy and more relational. We meet every Sunday. We have four services at two locations. If you want to connect with us, you can find more about us on our website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or just send an email to info at havenanglican.com. If this teaching has blessed you, we'd love to hear from you wherever you are in the world. And we pray that we've helped you to grow a little more into Jesus today. See you next time.